Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. everyone welcome to the draw your dice podcast my name is jeremy gage as you heard in the intro but as always the show is never about me it is about who i have brought to you today and i have brought back a guest again it is the year of the alumni of the dyd show you know them you love them i'd like to welcome back will yopes hey it's so great to be back jeremy how's it how's it going it's so great look at the spacious podcast we're in again Yes. It's so great to so, see you here. It's so great to physically see you in a digital format. If you had to imagine DYD as a physical space, what what are you seeing? Kind of lofted ceiling, formerly yeah. you know, a factory. There's some brick, exposed brick. It used to be an awning kind of situation. Those are all good. And I also think like if we're talking camera style or cinematography style, I definitely think it's like a history channel documentary energy like nice. the camera's just a little bit older it's not quite the like bro video essay like there's this track tracking shot that's constantly happening back and forth and there could be some just- live reenactments of you know <laughs> epiphanies or playtest moments or I uh, yeah. was recently searching for a new kind of that era history channel, discovery channel garbage to watch that wasn't about, for example, finding Nazi gold, which a lot of the programming uh-huh. is extremely concerned with. And it was something that I think is Canadian. I'm kind of getting all my Canadian content in since last time we spoke, but I moved almost a year ago. A little over yeah. a year ago. So I think we talked right yeah. when I moved. And so, you know, yeah. I was still figuring out 
the milk bag situation then, you know, all this kind of stuff. But the show was called The Naked Paleontologist. And Whoa. I was so excited by that title for lots of reasons. <laughs> I imagine this guy, this like University of Toronto, dusty professor, you know, wearing nothing but one of those tactical kind of khaki vests with pockets filled with like little dusters and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched enough to see that he wasn't naked, and then I stopped watching. Perfect. That makes sense to me. It's the only reason I ever watch anything, honestly. Is this if it becomes a naked and afraid kind of yeah. <laughs> scenario? Yeah. Have you? S- if it doesn't, I turn it off. Have you watched Naked and Afraid? No. I haven't either, and I have lots of ideas about what it could be about. I know it's like, <laughs> we're on an island, and we're naked. But I, yeah, I'm, I just started rewatching Lost again and they really wear the hell out of those clothes. So I think you would find some, some gear to wear. Yeah. Yeah. To protect you from skeeters. I just, I just thought, I thought about that the other day. I was like, how do survival show people like keep their clothes from being like, I know they're funky. Like they probably smell and they're not carrying soap, but like how do they keep them from like growing fungus and shit right wearing the same clothes like every five days what if you get athlete's foot in the jungle or something like you're fucked i guess that's called gangrene like it evolves that's what happens so did you did you watch like uh man versus wild with bear grills or survivor no but we we watched the show alone which is like the competition one okay all sort of competition ones but uh, yeah, that's what I've watched. Yeah, I, I watched like the golden age of that like Discovery Channel. You know, there was also one where there's Survivor, obviously. And there was a show about they put you in a like pseudo post-apocalyptic situation and in mm-hmm. a warehouse. And they're like, OK, everybody, you have to rebuild society. You're a chemist. Oh, you know, you're do you remember that? You're an accountant. And uh, it was called The Colony. The, yes, this this show yes. had really good game design in it. Like, I remember there was one big event where they would have a local group of raiders, like fictional raiders, come and destroy their shit. And I remember that was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. Like, <laughs> in the colony when the raiders come and knock over, like, their coffee extraction t- station or whatever. <laughs> But uh, wow! For like things like Les Stroud, Survivor Man, and Bear Grylls, Man vs. Wild, it's like two totally different, you know, ethos for how to survive. Because Bear Grylls will show you what to do, but won't actually do it. Like his whole thing that he was actually faking it, and so mm-hmm. people would go to the locations that he went to. He'd be like, "Now I've got to. I'm not going to do a British impression because." He is like the Her Majesty's equivalent of a seal, like a Navy seal. And I don't want him showing up. So I'm not going <laughs> to impersonate him. Um, where they would just go to the crag that he scrambled over and then just pan over and show that you could just clearly walk around it. <laughs> it would be totally fine. And there is, yeah, he'd be like, and I made it. Oops, I did the voice. He did a show where he did like man versus wild, but like, you know, situations that you might find yourself in in a city so he's like here's how you escape when something goes wrong 
and it was just Bear Grylls kicking it in this rave, and there's you know strobe lights and heavy house music, and then he showed me how to get out of the club. <laughs> so I've got training getting out of the club, you know. I can go to any city in this in this country, or really the con- you know the world. Maybe all raves are the same. It's all boots and cats, you know. Yeah, that will plur baby real quick before we get too far away from (laughs) (laughs) opening of this could you just in case someone's listening to this episode for the first time and don't doesn't know who you are and why we're having so much fun we just give a brief introduction of who you are and how people can uh find more out about you on the internet yeah i'm willie ups i'm a survivalist and a wildlife expert (laughs) and I wear the dusty vest. I'm only ups. I'm a game designer and publisher based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I do work with Good Luck Press, making games like Torque and Black Mass. Uh, Torque, I talked about on this podcast last time I was here. In partnership with Seb Pines, we make a boutique role-playing games. And I have a super radical creative relationship with Adam Vass, where we, about yearly at this point, make interesting strange story games the last one being campfire which is an anthology horror game i'm also like full-time in games so i'm one of those one of you go to the saloon and see the wanted posters of the full-time game designers and they all look crusty as shit and their (laughs) bounties are like you know 45 new union dollars or whatever and you're like i don't know the conversion there is that good so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Should I kill this person? You're the bounty hunter and you don't know what the conversion of the money is. <laughs> States keep on changing. You cannot you cannot assess whether a on. job is good or not. Yeah, you gotta Google um, it. Um as I do, my most f- frequent Google is like what is ten thousand dollars in nineteen eighty dollars? But yeah, I also uh, am a RPG editor. I edit a ton of games and am available to hire for your next one. And I just, you know, as an indie game designer, I, I do it all, as you know, as you got to mm-hmm. do. And I write, I do the Brain Trust podcast with Adam Bass, and I uh, help run the Brain Trust Discord, which is a designer community full of, you know, excellent weirdos making evil little games. Someone just joined and was like, I make evil little creatures in evil little places. So that is <laughs> how I feel about it. They, they, they awesome. put it perfectly. Yeah, that's very good. But you also do music too, right? right? Yes. I that's my <laughs> thing that's not the main monetized hobby, right? As this is RPGs, I've had to like, you know, learn what the things I love to do are that I, you know, it either would be if I did it for money, it would have to be stuff that I loved or I just don't touch it. So music, something I studied in school, I'm a jazz musician and other things I play bunch bunch of instruments like guitar and bass and drums and keys but i love music what can i say this is a this is a weird scene to be you know a huge music lover in and music player but when you find you know those folks in the scene that do it you get this secondary connection that's just so nice i mean we you know a lot of people i don't know how you feel about it probably good but you know creating atmosphere for your, you know, trad adventure RPG game or whatever you're playing. Like music is, 
important and people love soundscape stuff. I know there's that, what is it called? I think it's called tabletopmusic.com. Yeah. But that guy that just like lets loose an entire huge soundscape you can play with. People, people love that. They just, I don't think they talk about it that much. Music is such an important to my own like playing of games where mm-hmm. most of my prep for running a new game will be exploring a new genre of music or new composer or time period. And so really flexing like all of the musicology I learned in school to do here. So recently I made uh, a bunch of playlists for Torque, which include some really interesting harsh like driving music that you mm. you know you would listen to in your weird world road rage and stuff that you know challenging myself to like i'm only going to use new artists for this one or i'm only going to find like american composers from the 60s for this one and and see mm. what i can make happen so i love giving myself a ridiculous challenge like that well also it also broadens you right because you know if you don't put those limitations on yourself it's really easy even as a you know we like to imagine creatives are just sort of sponges for inspiration but you can find yourself falling into the same like genre traps or something like that, that you're really comfortable with do you grow then in that instance Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think like when I am listening personally, I think I've a lot of us have had this experience since quarantine that your taste development kind of has frozen in place to whatever is the most like immediately helpful for you. Like what is the most prescriptive mm-hmm. music possible? And so for me that is like hyper internet drum and bass music that is <laughs> has melted album covers and stuff. Like that's helping me do work and and stuff like that and i am not listening to so much of you know exploring new jazz for example i just can't emotionally handle that much new music in that way i don't know if that makes sense but that's definitely how i feel about tunes in that way yeah i mean i find myself constantly listening to the powerful final fantasy 14 series of soundtracks made by Masayoshi Soken. So. They're so good. The music so, is on it, another level. It's, I think what it is, is I've tried to have other people listen to this music like out of context. And I don't think it hits the same as if you've played the game or are like a really powerful like music lover and can like analyze it. But without those story moments, because they've mastered the like, anime opening comes in during the climax of the story and you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It just more. It basically like boosts that connection you have to the game. And like final fantasy 14 is such an interesting example because it commands your whole body when you play. And in a way that's like, I feel exhausted after playing. I have just started playing for reference. So I don't know what kind of full body training Jeremy has done or you know what the <laughs> regimen looks like. I'm working up. <laughs> but you can you it just really blows your hair back when you are focusing on this new content that has beautiful visuals and the music is tailor made for it and the sound design is working in a beautiful way and it all culminates together in a uh, what's the German word for like full 360, 360 experience? You know what I'm talking about? 
No. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. <laughs> sure, it up. let me Google it though. Yeah. Seb told <laughs> Seb's gonna be mad. They're not here right now. They told me that once tabletop designers learn about this phrase, it's all over for us. <laughs> 360 German experience. Maybe that's not the right. <laughs> no, it's a German word. It's a German word. It's like total experience. Wait, hold on. This is going to be edited. You so we're hanging out for this content. We, I will definitely edit smart. this piece. <laughs> Duschwell? Deutschwell? Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Holding? So it's this idea that German G word correlates to this idea that you can have a 360 art experience, which means it's a, it's total art. So like I described with final fantasy earlier, it's something that commands every sense and engages every type of art. So theater is a great example Mm. of this where you've got music, story, performance, set design, ambiance, tomatoes, like the whole thing. So video games are, are like that too. And when they can command everything and give you that total experience, it is like a transcendental work. Mm -hmm. And when I said that, you know, RPG designers get a hold of that, it's, it's all over, you know, what are we going to see? What are those 360 experiences? What's total? Is Alice is missing? Is that a total game? Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. Is the zone a total game when you're playing it mm. in the dark? Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, is D and D a total game when you're in the basement playing for your first time? Like, mm-hmm. so it's us as makers of like particularly authored games. Like it's, this is me making this. How can we, approach that total experience how do we get the anime opening with very good guitar sound into (laughs) extremely engaging gameplay and team dynamic yeah yeah it i think for anyone who thinks about playing i think the music thing the first time it hit for me i don't know how how far are you in the game what was the last thing you did i did i'm level 28 so i have done the main story content where i'm just joining the scions of something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've started i'm playing with my little brother he is making me read all the cutscenes now and not skip them Uh, so i I realize that i've made a mistake up to this point and i'm trying to fix it No, it's okay. Actually, what I do, people are probably going to scream, but I will actually, because you they introduced a new feature called New Game Plus. So when you complete an expansion, you can go back and you can like replay any quest as your current character, any main scenario quest as your current character. And um, you don't get any experience, but you get sort of like, you can do a cool, like you're in your glamour or fancy outfit and you're doing like the first level quest or something like that again whatever but i've actually skipped every cutscene, and then i just go back and sort of like do a movie nice of like worrying about catching up content that i mean there's no wrong way to experience a story i mean a lot of people will say that like it's not about the destination it's about the journey mm-hmm. but you're enjoying both like you're mm-hmm. taking the time to just get in there and soak up like the mechanics and the everything but the 
you know, slow down and then you go back and experience everything. I think there's no wrong way to do it. And you're especially not doing it ever very particularly not wrong way. So, yeah. Although there might be people in the community who are like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? That's okay. Yeah. Wait till they hear about uh, people that read Wikipedia pages before seeing a movie. Like (laughs) that's what are they going to do about that? (laughs) Yeah. They haven't discovered those people yet. Stay safe out there, Wikipedia friend. <laughs> but the the music thing, like, I think it really clicked for me in, it's like a level 40 fight with Garuda. Because cool. the soundtrack is synced up to the start <laughs> of the fight. And it's real good. Oh, that's cool. For me. I, I love wait. the song. Yeah. yeah. I know that they, they have a killer band that, like, plays at the live events and... Mm-hmm. Even that, seeing that like so much of this music is about the performance of it, and then it's made to mm-hmm. be performed, just hits me on a different level than you know other video game music that's a little bit less inspiring or a part of my daily listen. I think I only listen to one video game uh, soundtrack at like. You know, you can hear that I'm pretty particular about my stuff, but that Doom 2016 soundtrack has helped me so yeah. much in the last two years, especially seeing and knowing the process that the composer went to make this stuff. There's a extremely cool GDC talk where the guy goes into how he had to change his process to change the results and... For anybody that has any interest in music production, the things that this man does and makes to make the like meanest sounding shit of all time out of the component pieces of like just a pure sine wave and then running it through hell's distortion pedals and everything like this. It's yeah, it'll make something happen in your brain for your process. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I actually listened to a couple soundtracks that i've loved hollow knight is one of them oh yeah cuphead has an amazing like live band performance soundtrack oh that's so cool Uh, final fantasy the the making of cuphead and like you get to hear one of the more popular songs Uh, i think it's floral fury it's good it's like a little samba jazz thing that's going like bossa nova energy and it's it's gosh i mean it's great because the source material is just like cab calloway who was rotoscoped mm-hmm, for a Betty mm-hmm. Boop cartoon. And like, yes, yes. you could do so much worse than just taking like the most performingest jazz singer of all time. What have you thought about the, you know, just to read, well, I guess everything is game design, right? Philosophically. But what have you thought about the mechanics of Final Fantasy 14? Since I harp on it so much on the show, I'm interested to get like a introductories thoughts Yeah, so my background as a video game enjoyer and a game liker in general is that I will reach for anything and try it out. So either it's Mm -hmm. like a stupid technical fighting game um, like Absolver or something like this or Mm -hmm. a party game like Jackbox or some wild platformer or whatever. I'm playing what's new on Game Pass and finding new stuff all the time and trying to play as broadly as possible. And that has included like some MMOs in the past, like Guild Wars, for example. Mm -hmm. But uh, in playing Final Fantasy as the like largest and most happening MMO I've ever played, it feels, I've described it to uh, Seb in this way that like, 
it feels like a video game. It's kind of like a video game, but it's also a lot of other stuff going on. And the level of, you know, gaminess is different than other similar styled games that I've played. And maybe someone with more MMO experience can immediately diagnose this as just a genre thing. But it feels like I am doing a third activity that is not playing a video game and playing a video game. I don't know if this makes sense, but no, I think I get it. There's this level of like need to connect with people and the Mm. way that the world is just like obscenely large that it doesn't really care if I explore it or not in this moment. Like a little bit of the game is purely indifferent to me and a lot of it needs me to play. And Mm -hmm. It's just it's just weird. I mean, seeing that many people around in a video game is feels strange, especially in quarantine. Seeing a hundred people hanging around a big crystal, someone whips out their uh, you can upload a roll of MIDI music to the game and have your yep. character play something. And mm-hmm. s- someone was playing some fucking like classic rock song this is on another planet like this is a lot more than just you know watching my cooldowns and keeping my green dps happening my green dps (laughs) (laughs) and i think a, a lot of it is that like for a game like this i don't want to fuck up any part of the process because i am paying a subscription and i'm on the clock but also if i i want to play with a guide because if i don't I will feel this feeling of not hitting my potential and like losing effort and stuff. So there's a little bit of like workaholicness involved in it. And so I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos about people explaining it like dungeon etiquette and stuff like that. So I just know to not fuck up or anything like that. And it came to such a place. Here's a funny story. I was playing with my little brother. We're both like moving through the game at the same pace. And I'm playing on the PS4 and he's playing on his computer and we played our first dungeon together. I think it was my second one. And someone was being like incredibly nice and helping out and typing. And I had no ability to type. So I was like dictating to my little brother over voice chat, what to say (laughs) to this person to express my gratitude and Uh. not having that tool of communication, having that taken away from me where I could only type very sloppily, capital G, lowercase g, before the game was over. And I was just turning to my little brother, like, please say thank you. Please say thank you so much. (laughs) That I, after that, I just realized, like, what a, you know, like, language barrier, basically. That, like, I could understand, Mm. and I but I couldn't express what I wanted to express. And just instantly after that found a wireless keyboard that plugged into my PS4 and never had that problem again. <laughs> Cause it was like, so not humiliating, but it was like, I, I bet a lot of people have this experience where you want something to happen and you just lack the ability to express it. And mm-hmm. in the, um, the immediacy, cause I know this person's about to go away forever back to their home server named after like a cigarette company or something like that. And that's the one I'm on. And I go back to camel red and I just don't want to be rude. And that rudeness is way more important when I, the only way to communicate it made me think about like, well, what is, 
what am I saying about myself and the way I think people communicate rudely? Is that actual rudeness or is your like quickness to ameliorate and please people online a failure of communication or is an expectation that you need to provide Mm -hmm. so much more emotive content to seem not rude in this game that seems to be very, very minded with not non rudeness. I don't know if there's a word for being not rude, kind perhaps. (laughs) I don't know. You've been in it for much longer than I have. So I, I bet you have a different perspective. Well, I mean, the, the like etiquette and stuff is really fascinating, especially with like the flood of world of Warcraft players in the last couple months. Those, um, those people are, seem bad. Like I've, yeah. I've watched a few YouTube videos geared at world of Warcraft players coming to final fantasy. And they're like, there's no DPS counter. You do not leave a party when there's a new player. And it's, it shows so much how the game design is built for kindness and new players. Yes. Yeah. Outside of like being forced to complete the main scenario quest, it's pretty kind. Like the new player experience is pretty good and they constantly rework the classes to allow for a better quality of life leveling experience. You can get a handle on how you're supposed to, or how the class is designed to play. But as far as the etiquette stuff, yeah, I mean, Outside of, you can, like, I can tell, because I played both. I played World of Warcraft all the way up until Legion. Or did I play Battle for Azeroth? I think I did play Battle of Az- Battle for Azeroth for a little bit, but with my family. And people are just like, if you don't do it on the first clear, if you wipe a boss or some bullshit like that, or they're just, you get kicked, you're out. You don't have a gear score, you can't play. No. It's like, it's like... I hate it. the pug experience. The pickup group experience is terrible. Absolutely, like my my brothers and cousins will fucking go all the way in, stay up and play for like twelve <laughs> hours straight, and like get fully geared out. But I'm like a more casual player, so I'm like not quite at item level, and they're running stuff. I'm like, hey guys, play with me. And my cousin's actually one of the worst culprits. He he, like, well, you're not geared enough, so I can't have you come into this raid. Oof. Sure, but could you help me get geared? It's like, no. I was like, the MMO experience that. <laughs> but in Final Fantasy, one, the game is designed gear-wise to be really easy to gear up an alternate character or to like catch up. Mm-hmm. There's so many catch-up mechanics, which is really like they respect your time as far as like an MMO is concerned, even with a subscription model. For instance, in Final Fantasy, you can probably be like raid ready within at max content this is a this is a spectrum of like being max level on expansion you're not like gated too much you do have a weekly cap for stuff but you can be geared for a raid in i don't know a week yeah two weeks maybe whereas in activision blizzard they will purposefully gate you in such a way that you have to play on time every week for like eight weeks. So they're milking two months of subscription out of you before you're like raid ready. And it's just not, it's not respectful. It's not respectful of your time. They're trying to nickel dime you at any chance they get. Mm -hmm. But for, and I think what that does is it helps player communication because that's also the understanding of like, oh yeah, you just need like, I'm not doing too much right now. There's no other like end game content I can do. So let me help out my buddy and help them get to like end game content for the next patch release or something. Not only that, but Final Fantasy has so many like other 
games inside of it. Yeah. You can do PvP stuff and that and like end game rating. Those are the two like main game ones. But then you can also do like role play stuff. You can get a house. You can do like fashion and find all the glamours in the world. You can unlock mounts. You can do like achievement hunting things. It's there's so much to do and there's like side quest stuff inside like cool the Hildebrand stuff is absolutely insane. You have all these optional bosses and dungeons that you can do. There's a ton of stuff that is not recommended by the game and you just sort of get to explore. And not only like you mentioned, you can upload a meaty song to like <laughs> it's, it's your so, bard. I'm just like and just hang out for the next three hours in a main city and just play. Which you know which I mean? John Coltrane and, song am I picking to program into video? <laughs> like, what is it gonna be? And people will like hang out and dance with you and like it's so crazy. And like people will hold fashion shows and shit in main cities and I've been to a a house rave once. Whoa. Which was insane. I am yeah. so excited like, for in, the fashion like my my next big project being a fashion fantasy game this is uh-huh. research for me that's also very fun and i'm so excited yeah. for that the glamour yeah it's so good it's so good don't throw away anything figure out if you want it first and then throw it away i highly re- i've thrown away some pieces that i can never get again oh. i'm very sad about it well thank you for the yeah. tip that's a hard one thing i think like when you bring up the social aspect it makes it clear how whether intentional or not, everything is designed. So mm-hmm. this like way of communicating that your cousin did, that is like prickly for sure. The game incentivizes that. And mm-hmm. it takes like, th- it does put you in this mindset of wasting time and seeing lost opportunity and stuff. And when that comes at the cost of making someone else have a bad experience, that's on the developer they can figure out that that's happening and change something. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of my work is involved with this kind of metered communication and how do we speak to each other. And with games like this discord has ghosts in it or archives of Alexandria, mm-hmm. which both are in discord has ghosts in it case. It's a game where half the players can only speak and half the players can only type into a discord. So those are the investigators and the ghosts. And with Archives of Alexandria, you are two people in a you know space library trying to get out because there's been a criticality. But you're doing a Wikipedia race trying to get to the same destination on Wikipedia while only being able to communicate several words at a time between rounds. And the rounds get longer and longer, so you have to make more moves without talking to the other person. And you just these games are about feeling someone else out there and either not having the tools or gaining the tools to communicate yourself to them in that way. Mm -hmm. And when the like physical media of RPGs is actually just sound waves and my voice, how can we play with this space to, Mm -hmm. to extract these different game experiences there? Yeah, there's, there actually, I don't know if this was Game Maker's Toolkit or Adam Millard, but I watched this game video essay, two different ones about two different games that rely on vocal communication. So in one game, I think you're like dual archaeologists and it's a two player game and one player is like the archivist. They stay inside like a library. They have a bunch of books or like relics or something like that. And then the other player is the explorer. So the, 
explorer has to interact with the puzzles, but has no idea what the clues are to solve them. And then the archivist has to go find the books in their library, find them, open up. It's kind of like a simulation thing. So you open up the book and you have to read like symbols. Like you have to agree on what certain symbols look like or what they're called. So you have to create the shared language between the two players. So that was a really cool game. I can't, I don't remember the name of either of them. Mm -hmm. The second one is, a game where one character is blind and the other is deaf. And so one character can see the game world and the other character can only hear the game world. And you have to use those together to help navigate your character. You take like a shared character and you have to avoid like monsters and stuff. And you have to get over to the other side of like this Island, which is also really fascinating. That's so cool. And it's just, you can theme that, experience so many ways while having this kind of disordered communication that's not as free as we we can get just me and you speaking to each other in person i mean here we are talking to each other over the internet and there's so much that we are not expressing to each other that we might in the same room whether it's like how we're occupying the space or our faces or the room itself Mm -hmm. you know this beautiful repurposed loft that do ideas held in this digital loft baby digital i mean loft. i you know digital <laughs> i knew it i definitely you know one day first of all will one day we will shake hands physically we'll It'll boogie nice. we'll, be we'll go to the house rave. Yeah, we'll boogie dude <laughs> <laughs> we'll shake hands in game we'll hug in final fantasy 14 um oh my god i tried hugging uh, with my little brother and we missed each other and i just started like cleaving into his stomach with my <laughs> just like scooping out pixels <laughs> trying to get my arms around this guy you gotta get the you gotta get the g pose emotes oh yeah gotta do it yeah yeah that's late um, game stuff i'm i'm early yeah, 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 we're not I'm worried proud, about taking dude. pictures right now. God, I really, I want to see all of your your fight experiences. I love watching people like do trials and dungeons and boss fights and stuff. But additionally, you know, what do you think about like the combat stuff of it, like the combat side of Final Fantasy and sort of like games in general? I, you know, I'm a big. I've been learning about God of War, Doom 2016 every fighting game under the sun and many MMORPGs. But like, what are your thoughts on, on combat in general and games? I love it. I mean, unfortunately it's the thing that video games can do the best right now. So Mm -hmm. in final fantasy, I'm playing a healer. Thank you. I do have a savior complex. Mm -hmm. Go out the gate picking that. I just like for it to be about me. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to be a Kingmaker. Uh, So that experience (laughs) is, extremely intense playing for the first time because mm-hmm. the controls are just sloppy enough on controller. And I know just yeah. enough what to do that I am, you know, if it's a new dungeon for me or if it's a new experience, I am learning the kind of social aspect of combat with the mechanical aspect with my own like input concept. And for healing, I am my pace is not chosen by me. So I get to be really reactive and anticipate stuff. And so that is, that is really fun. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I, you know, as far as fighting games, I love playing smash. I mean, that's when I have the most experience Mm -hmm. with, I Mm -hmm. like to play 
you know, rush down characters that are really annoying yeah. and just go off screen, stuff like that. Love to hear some archetype terminology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think learning about that stuff from a video game perspective is good to just learn how people play and the options that you have. And I think mm-hmm. designers like you and Spencer Campbell are are really good at kind of problematizing different video game elements and seeing how they play with table aspects and and that stuff is so cool. I think that in tabletop games, there's nothing more visceral, like the headshot equivalent in a tabletop game, you know, your gears of war, long shot, Mm -hmm. headshot on canals, gears one, Marcus Phoenix, baby, active real boomer, boomer, (laughs) shit, shit. Um, <laughs> on you. They're sinking the city with a giant worm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sometimes I just remember the pendulum wars. <laughs> I get thrown into a river. <laughs> that feeling of a Gears of War active reload Marcus Phoenix headshot on canals is uh, rolling a D8 for longsword damage. Controversial yeah. opinion. Nothing feels as good in an RPG, a traditional RPG, as hitting that D20, hitting that D8, maybe roll them at the same time. Maybe you're like one of my players when I used to play D&D. Rolling both at the same time, that is like the most optimism I've ever seen a human being express rolling two hit and damage at the same time. (laughs) It's like, I live in a world where I must know both at the same time. Yeah. And... I'm with you. Yeah, I, I like that. I like strange tactical games a lot. So Torque is a kind of abstract tactical pack of car racing crash and bashing game that is like mm-hmm. equal parts into the breach and Grand Prix for the Atari. Like it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's got that going on. I have yet to make a tabletop game with hit points in it and I'm saving it for something really special. <laughs> just saving it for it's something good. special but yeah I, I like to be really well played all over the place so mm-hmm. my current mm-hmm. thing is playing chivalry 2 and hitman mm. you ever play mm-hmm. chivalry 2 i played the first chivalry and then i've watched my family play chivalry 2 for like a little bit it's uh extremely silly fun game And it's nice to be, I like to have a game that I'm playing currently where I can play people online in a kind of skill fest, like to like Mm. express myself through the game mechanics in a different way, which in chivalry Mm. means I like to take one step back and then swing someone's head off um, with a big, big, (laughs) big frigging sword. True spacing master. (laughs) And it's like coming to a new game type of game like that. Cause I hadn't played, you know, Mordhau or chivalry one or, you Mm. know, even like I've played war banner hunt and blade or whatever, but that just learning about footwork, for example, like what even the footwork is for a game like this and how you are just these like noodle monsters swinging blades at each other, trying to (laughs) just crack it. And I like the kind of personal progression of feeling better at a game, getting better and better myself and seeing what my limits are. So Mm -hmm. that, and those are, you know, more triple a popular games. And I like Mm -hmm. a bunch of smaller, weirder stuff too. Like, you know, Pokemon challenge runs, I dig a ton. Yeah. And I recently... You did a Nuzlocke recently, didn't you? Yeah. I 
was playing uh, Pokemon Radical Red, which is a ROM hack of Pokemon uh, Fire Red, where mm-hmm. every gym leader has a like pro team, like a Smogon level pro team of Pokemon that is like designed to win. Like they're Whoa. they're using mechanics, and I was playing randomizers of that. I'd basically play until my Retroid Pocket Two, like irrecoverably ir- crashed the game. <laughs> so I would just, you know, get to Misty as many times as I could, and Aww. getting inside of those mechanics were really fascinating. And learning, you know, how to draft. Basically, it's like a card game, right? Pokemon has been referred to as a card yeah. game before. That's yes. It's a deck builder of deck builders where each Pokemon is a deck of cards and you're, you know, whatever. So learning how yes, to draft yeah. quickly wow. and well to get to that place was just really fun and difficult and felt like a huge accomplishment when I was able to beat Misty the first time. Because it was just like, you know, reset 50 times. There's no way I can do this other than outplay. And so I have to figure out what is the path i need to take through this fight that's so fat the deck builder and deck builder thing is really fascinating and may have helped me crack something open personally hey in this moment right now. what you got yeah that's pretty good so i cracked i don't i don't know if you watched this episode of the call-in show williams is a is a frequent audience member and sometimes caller of the tabletop call-in show with show. me and adam bell but there was an episode where I sort of talked about how I wanted Umbral Dive to have more party influence. Like the, I need the party group to matter more. And so we talked about taking the Blades in the Dark crew sheet and actually making it something that like you would use during a dungeon exploration. Like you would have sort of team attacks or skills or something. Oh, like that's that so cool. There. I love team attacks as and a so, concept. Yeah. And so what I did two days ago was I cracked that open and I was doing fighting game research, and initially I was like, how do I make each individual class feel feel like a fighting game play style? Like, I want to do, like, combos and button inputs. And then I said to myself, well, what if, what if instead we Voltron it? Mm. What if instead you have a character play style, so you have a rushdown party sheet on it, has a list of, like, additional benefits and actions for, check this out, the inputs each player makes during a turning combat. Oh, so like cool. it's, it'll say something like if you did, if your team did two attacks this turn, you get this thing. If your team did two disabling effects, you get to do this thing. If your team did a guard impact or a perfect block or something, you can do this. So the character sheet says like, what were the button inputs you did for that turn? And the button inputs are each action each player can take. It's- so then deck builder within a deck builder individual characters could have like a subset of moves that they could pull from, from like a small hand or something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. 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 And that's, I think having a like dungeon worksheet equivalent is great. Like that's a fascinating concept because you can have this effectively flow chart dictate Mm -hmm. what the sentence construction is of you describing this like narratively. Mm -hmm. So I know that like, Mm -hmm. you know, when I do a combo, that I'm going to begin with an opener, have a string, and then end with a finisher. But what does that like narratively look like? What is, what am I actually seeing? And you're basically given the template to describe some cool shit. You get to say the cool sentence. Yeah. Like 
you get to describe what it is to have a falcon punch off stage in the bottom right corner. Uh, <laughs> like so pissed. I only accept falcon punches and knees, people. Mm. Perfect frame knees. Perfect the electric knee. <laughs> Give it to me, dude. I'll take it. <laughs> that you know, drafting thing. So my next game I have alluded to is a fashion game called Big Grave Fashion Fantasy. And it is a game that's inspired likewise by Love Nikki dress up games and mm-hmm. um, MMO glamour grinds and just looking cool on the IG. And it's a game that's <laughs> powered by this kind of build your own loot table thing. So you as the players are each um, looking to complete your outfits. Outfits are made of four components, which is your over, under, your big, and your pop. So big is the thing people notice first about you. The pop is what pulls it all together, maybe. You know, I think like, you know, monocle, interesting brooch, cool backpack, shoes, things like yeah. that. Your yeah. over is the vibe of the whole thing, and your under is what you keep closest to you. And so you've got four slots and you are working through these different types of fashion, which include hyper ultra and hot, like hot couture. And yeah, you are drafting these loot tables for all these activities that you do within the game yourself. So you know exactly what goes on your D6 loot table and you are creating the circumstances by which you may roll on it. And get all this new cool fashion that you customize to yourself and get your all your own powers and stuff. And so this kind of deck building but for loot tables is something that I am just ideating on a lot. And I'm excited to get to the table and see how how fun that is. And bringing it back to Final Fantasy, the whole need and greed mechanic for for looting is really inspirational because being able to say and like really admit what your priority is for stuff is some emotional maturity that I did not expect a video game to have. Yeah. I don't need this, but I want it is something that I think gamers (laughs) don't often (laughs) like, you know, it, it takes away some frivolousness from playing. Like you become less of a, a hoarder freak and more of her like, okay, I live in a society actually like I can't tragedy of the commons every dungeon I go into. <laughs> I fashion, fashion and game fashion and fashion period, fashion period in non real world mediums. You know, right now my brain is churning with like Jojo's bizarre adventure yes. style stuff. I know that they did. Was it Prada? It was either Prada or Gucci, I can't remember, but the artist for uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure did a, like, characters wearing uh, the latest styles of Prada, whoever so, brand it was, but, like, well, the, it's good. Yeah, JoJo's also drawn from a lot of fashion centerfolds, too. Like, yes. the poses yeah. are taken directly from fashion shoots. I know that there was mm-hmm. a Final Fantasy fifteen fashion tie-in. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. this? Yeah, I do remember that. And they also did one for Final Fantasy 13 as well. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. But yeah, so th- the idea is that you can take this underlying fashion system and just put it in whatever game you want if you want fashion mm-hmm. to be an expression of your character as well. You know, yeah. character like just making this the focus and you can play your own game within this 
this world, this, you know, kind of post post uh, crisis world where you could just chill and like make friends and go on dates and stuff like this. Yeah. The, the things that we all like to do, make friends, yeah, go be interesting, go get coffee. But you can, you know, bring this fashion framework into your extremely grim dungeon game or yeah. in your sci fi game or whatever it is, because yeah. I think those concepts of types of fashion and what your own personal fashion can consist of is broad enough, but specific enough to give you a framework and options, but still you can f- completely express yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love, I, I think I had, I think it was MV I had on here a couple uh, weeks ago and recording wise, I have no idea when MV's episode is going to come out. Cause I did all, I'm um, doing all 20 episodes, uh, interviews in, in four weeks, you know, like a crazy person crushing but, it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> crushing it. Absolutely. But <laughs> MV was talking about how a lot of their more recent designs, we sort of like turned them as like bolt on games. They're like pieces or modules or systems that you can sort of like, expand the gameplay of the game you're playing. So for your fashion game, I don't want to call it anything that that you don't want to call it, but I'm just thinking of like how it's, these games are so interesting that you have like these small underlying subsystems where I could bring it to my, you know, classically D and D game bolt on this. I'm sorry to the grave grave. Oh, big grave fashion fantasy. Big Big grave fashion fantasy. And so between fashion and fantasy are four periods, like an extended ellipses. It's you, Uh you gotta believe it's a completely aesthetic game. (laughs) Like (laughs) it it has to be, but just to like tack that on. And then even so, as you were talking about sort of, if this game added like maybe better relationship mechanics than like D and D provides, because it has zero of those. And my loyalty score is quite high. I play with honor. Excuse me. I use the honor rules. That is ripped. Uh, I like the honor rules that were introduced in Oriental Adventures. This is my. Oh, God, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) We're just going to blip that. But no, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's such a. That's that's an amazing concept. There was a. I don't know if they're still doing this. I don't even remember who they were. But when I first joined the Twitter. And first got into like the game design Twitter. I saw that someone was trying to make like a like a fashion book, like cool. a D and D classes fashion con- concept art book, where like you could pick clothing or something like that. You could use it to inspire like shops or like major trade cities or something. Never knew what happened to that. Really cool project. But this is also like I don't know. It's it's that 360. We'll be right back, everyone. <laughs> uh, I had this queued up, ready to go. <laughs> you would not believe my trigger speed. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, you played me. You absolutely played me. The hard uh, read, like a book. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> the mix up, dude. But, whoo. But it is. It is one of those things where, like, we do, you know, you classically do the opener, like, hey, describe your character for us. And then that sort of never really gets touched again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
the classic like OCD and D give me the full rundown head to toe of like every strand of hair on your <laughs> oh my body. God, I, and, that, and then never again. What a weird compulsion that is like, okay, introduce yourself. Describe to me your physical description down to the toes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you painted or are you not? Yeah. This, this idea in, I think fashion for us as people can be, it can change on an hourly basis and, mm-hmm. and what you're, because it's all contextual and that context includes your own feelings about yourself and your body and your area. But also from a video game perspective, I just want to get new stuff and try it on and look great. And the mm. stance that Big Grave takes is that we will never have a particular item, you know, it'll never be like this snapback hat with the sticker on and, and everything like that. It will be a couple adjectives and maybe a ability or something like that, that you then flavor into a piece of fashion that you want. I will never know the best thing for you. You as a player can you know imaginatively build the you know toga of your dreams or your half cape or your you know riding boots i'm describing a very particular person here right now but (laughs) just knowing that i don't know the context that you're playing in and so you get to build that context to yourself i can give you the framework and Mm -hmm. you give me everything else you give me your money I need all the fries yeah, that you can give me, as Anderson Pack yeah. said in the bubbling video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I just bonded with you a little bit in that moment. Oh, That's good. Yeah. Very good that video is so good. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great video. Yeah. Anderson Pack is a great artist. He's so good. You know, he is a yeah. real. In that he does it all right the the yes. video yeah. the performance the personality the songwriting his his own story his vocal tone like he's got it all going on yeah he's definitely like our our era. like he's an era success for sure like he's going to be talked about for a really long time yeah i think his and it's just starting like you know, it's. I'm really happy for him that he got to make all those connections for the halftime show this year too. Even though he didn't, I was really disappointed that he didn't get to like rap or anything like that. But Kendrick Lamar got to rap, and I was like, "What's that all about?" Yeah, it's it's interesting, especially you know they seemed focused on the kind of '90s goats at that point, and Kendrick as yeah. an extension of that scene. You know, you can see that just at a, even a geographic like Compton extension into the 2020s mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah i mean with lockdown for example which came out two years ago yeah. i mean that was i am getting chills even thinking about that song like wow. it, yeah it's he is amazing and he's going to create a canon of music that we'll celebrate forever and i'm just so excited for that yeah i just feel yeah, so lucky hard. listening to him that's kind of the there's a couple people like that that i just am like Yes, I get to see you do your thing, and yeah. I get to be here now. Aww. Yeah, it, just being Aww. thankful for that kind of stuff, and I'm thankful to be here with you right now. I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky to be with <laughs> you. You've been so kind from the rip, dude, and I really I do appreciate it a lot, both you and Adam. Didn't get to say that to Adam on, on their episode, but I'll say it to both of you here. I'll now. tell him. Yeah. If there's one thing I yeah. love doing, it's telling Adam something nice. <laughs> Aw. 
Big hugs everywhere. Um, so we're kind of at the top of the show here. Will, is there anything else you want to you want to hit on before we before we wave bye to the audience? Yeah, you can find my stuff at goodlookpress.co, and that is me and Seb Pines, like I said before, our boutique role-playing game store. Come support us. We're going to have Torque up there. By the time this episode drops, it'll be available for sale. It'll be out. Everybody will be talking about it. We're all going to be drinking gasoline straight from the pump, if you know what I mean. And I'm <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> at Will underscore J-O-B-S-T, and on itch at willyopes.itch.io. I... Do this full time. This is my job. Your support means so much. And being able to be on platforms like this is just so huge. Watch out for Big Grave. I'll be having newsletter updates about that. So you can find those links at those places I said. And I've just got a lot of exciting stuff coming out, including the Game of the Year edition of this Discord has ghosts in it, which is the next project from Adam and I. And we'll also be doing... Some something over the summer. I think I can say now that we're going to be doing our kind of Pokemon themed legendary journey game where you explore a new region and build all like populate it with Pokemon and people and problems and friends. And that is what we're going to do over the summer. And it's going to be a blast. Wow. Excited. I'll play it. I'll endorse it. Hell yeah. Uh, well, everyone, thank you for listening to Will. I learned a lot. I hope you certainly did. I especially learned about History Channel. Damn it. Uh, I was going to have you just play the, yeah, hit the hit the G word, German G word oh. again. Oh, shit. Yes. She sounds <laughs> fucked up. Like I learned a lot from Will today and by extension, Seb, as well. <laughs> And we will we'll talk to you next time. Say bye to everyone, Will. Bye everybody. Bye. Hey there listeners. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Will and I again. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes for getting in touch with Will and other content with similar topics. Support Jeremy and the DYD podcast by reviewing the show or joining the community Discord server. Additionally, you can get ad-free early releases of episodes by donating to the DYD Patreon at patreon.com slash dydpodcast. Thanks again for listening, and remember that design is a marathon, so enjoy the journey and have a great day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.